Hello and welcome to another episode of Corks Talks where I talk about anything and everything of interest to me, whether that be political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental, cultural, ethical, you name it, I'll speak about it. And today's episode is um, actually a technical episode for once, so I will be talking about something that isn't um, fiction, let's say. Um, or I am actually doing what my biography of this podcast says, which is analysing trends in the world through the realm or through the, um, what's the word? The vortex of, of fiction, let's say. Um, I recently watched um, The Big Short and lately I rewatched The Accountant and I feel like I've become intrigued about finance once more just more as a hobby though rather than as a career just because um it really does rule the world and you don't realize it until you uh till you come to the uk and you see every graduate scheme is related to it no joking but um you realize that money underpins most people's behaviors and decisions and how that money is shared is very important because it determines what people will do to inherit it and from what I've observed from my own research and just general understandings of the market. People do a lot. <laughs> people do a lot of a lot of things. Um a lot of things. And um I understand my initial hesitance towards it was It was in it was in my bone marrow, like it was in it was, it was intestinal. I couldn't even explain. It. I just felt really uncomfortable with it, and it's kind of been propounded upon as I've gotten older. Simply because more and more of my life is defined by it, um, in terms of buying assets or just receiving products and services. The money I'm providing, the money I'm earning, it's it's a rigmarole. And I think it's important to call it a rigmarole because we presume that these people at the top understand and know absolutely everything. When in reality, they don't. Um, everyone is just kind of freestyling with the knowledge that they have had or developed through personal reading, extracurricular reading, degrees, you know, you wonder why is, uh, why is history such a respected subject? And it's because it's the one thing that, one subject that actually draws upon truth. In, in some ways, we are all learning history in every, in every subject. But it draws upon truth with the presumption that we either won't or will repeat these events. Um, so we build upon what we've learned, hopefully. And, um, of course, the best inst- institutions that offer it are highly regarded for how they teach it. But in reality, what feels like it's happening is that people are learning all of this and they're not learning from it, which kind of makes the, the, the topic irrelevant. But um, 
it can feel like a dirty game sometimes, especially when you are creative or an artiste, then you're just like, you want to profit from your art as you should, you know? Um, and then you find there's such a, a, a complex structure of making a living from your work. And it's inherently bound up with capitalism, you know, and even with TikTok overtaking Google as like the most searched app, that was horrifying to me, you know, just because the last time I checked, Google was useful for everything. And now I'm saying that people are going first to TikTok, which I, I, I haven't used it, I haven't downloaded it, but I believe it's got a, a range of information. So people are choosing TikTok to search information rather than Google. Not to say that Google's any more right, because, you know, Google produces some incorrect results as well. But TikTok is just people making videos. You don't even know who they are. You don't even know their background. They just say anything to you and they're profiting. So you know they're lying to you. People are just believing what they see because... A, a, a good style of 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 audiovisual information was illustrated to them as opposed to you know a, a web link that had a lot of text in it because you know everyone's lazy and no one wants to read anymore um it's worrisome sometimes you know i just finished watching the very excellent series um insecure by Issa Rae and i was just i was i, I was proud of her just having succeeded in telling a story of a black woman in her late 20s who is not perfect. Life is not completely correct for her. As of now, she quits her job teaching to essentially build something that I'm sure she doesn't really have a model for, which is a community hub to invest in her local community with art and her friend is a hotshot lawyer so she's gone along a route of trying to benefit high net worth individuals and companies whereas her own friend is literally trying to look for funding for an organisation and it kind of shows you the juxtaposition of where these two girls are because the assumption is, is that they, they they went to school together or they they learned together and um now they are two very different people one's looking for funding one one <laughs> regulates well not regulates funding but helps um their investors bypass regulation when trying to find funds for funding it's it's crazy and it's and it's very real especially in the black community because you just get a bunch of people some of them are like i want to change the world i want to be creative and others are like i'm a corporate um guy i'm a corporate girl and you just have to choose which side you might go between and oscillate but um you find that the ethics on both sides can actually be quite similar um, because they're both very much related to one another, you will find that a lot of companies and organisations that produce 
the theater that produce the movies that produce the music and all the dance and and the studios that you love so much to entertain yourselves are financed by these huge funds and charities because they have the capital income to invest companies that go far back as far back as the 1800s and then you say okay this is there's a price on my creativity so what does that lead me to do am I just making art for the sake of making money or am I making art because it's true and Issa Rae made art because it was both commercially viable but also very true I like the fact that hers and um, Molly's story was a love story between friends analysed through the wider network of relationships that they had. So family, romance, you know. Um, I like that there was actually, like, no focus on children. I didn't even realise that. It was more to do with career progression and kind of finding love. But it was very rarely to do with I think the hallmarks of what most people expect from a story about women in their mid to late 20s or even early 30s, and that was marriage and kids. But I guess that was explored through the outer relationships of their characters. Friends, because you did have, you know, one of the characters was, it felt like she was constantly pregnant and then um, she was married. So it was, it was like the archetypes of what modern friendship groups are right now, which is, some people feeling really behind and some people feeling really ahead and no one really having the ideal life because they've all got problems. You know, every character had problems. And I liked that. I enjoyed that. I'm I'm, I'm proud that, from what everyone is saying, this took 10 years. I'm, I'm, I'm proud that Issa Rae stuck to it and she decided that a YouTube channel or YouTube series could do so much as to create a five-season hit commissioned by HBO. And HBO has a, has a trend of actually commissioning incredible shows, including getting the rights to, I believe, I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole in the US because it was originally available on BBC for the UK. And then even reading about how Michaela Cole rejected the deal from Netflix, um, it tells you a lot, right, about how there, there, there's a lot of political bargaining between who even gets to hold your, who even gets to watch your series. Now, where can you air it that you will actually get 100% of the profits, you know, um, and maybe be able to donate it somewhere or keep it for yourself. Like, there, there's no way you could air it. You have to partner with people. Everything is... Who are you in a relationship with that can help you get this to more people? Now, the internet has done incredible things in making a lot of the boundaries that were traditionally in place. So jurisdiction, cost, um, and so on and so forth. It's crumbled those because you can very much watch any show at any time from any place with either a VPN or an illegal streaming website 
pretty much straight after airing. I don't even know how it's done. I don't know what what it's worth. That industry, the illegal streaming business is like big money. The point is that people love art, people love entertainment, especially during this pandemic where the boredom has been been at an all-time high. But just to get the money to create the film or the show, you know, people crowdfund for this stuff. And um, I remember even writing articles, right? And ironically, the articles I've written have actually touched on finance because, like I said, it underpins everything. But when I was writing an article for um, the Museum of, Museum of Wales, I was talking about um, the, 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 the market, the art market, and how, particularly in the pandemic, it's probably not as commercially viable because these things are to be witnessed in person and because of isolation we don't have that experience anymore but just within less than a year of that article being written non-fungible tokens have gone through the roof and it seems like people are very happy to have digital digital ownership of an item without ever seeing it without ever actually owning it physically which is bloody insane to me it doesn't make any sense but it's become the universe you know the internet like the metaverse has essentially become a place where people will try to bargain for what they bargain offline which is ownership and, and to me it's just insane it's not the same as like a store which actually has you know a, a real um life impact on on services or products because you know if the price of a stock changes then the cost of a product or service changes but I don't know what happens when you no longer digitally own an item that no one ever saw in the first place like or, or could physically what what's a product or a service there's no product or service in a digital art piece you know and that you hear a lot like I believe Keanu Reeves spoke about how he doesn't want um NFTs non-fungible tokens to fund the movie market but you wonder are we too far gone in this world already when we've got individuals particularly tech investors who are keen to digitize every experience that they can find um you will find that every application that you download is trying to diversify its portfolio beyond its traditional service so i was reading about this partner from skadden who worked in capital markets and has now become in-house counsel for a company i think it's in singapore somewhere in asia called grab holdings and that company is originally just a ride-sharing platform. So, you know, del- deliveries and kind of like your modern Uber, but they've di- they've diversified their services and now they actually offer a digital payment service as well. And that's what's happening with these applications. They are just expanding to do ancillary and auxiliary services, but they're doing it without the financial regulation of... Um, the traditional lenders, so your banks, you know, like, I was reading another article about um, anti-money laundering um, policies and procedures, and it was stated that, it was stated by Legal Futures that there's a worry 
that non-financial institutions under-report suspicious activity of their clients. So clients that they suspect of money laundering will not be reported as readily. So profit is being put ahead of democracy because that person who's money laundering could be a criminal from but benefiting from corruption god knows where and you're helping them finance a deal because they put up the right price that can be scary that can be distressing um and where are the checks and balances where is the regulation and it's funny because at the end of the big short film they kind of had um, a mock, a mocking satirical scene whereby the man that is narrating it kind of demonstrates a what if everything went well scenario and the guys that were responsible for the economic collapse in 2008 were arrested and held, held to account and these banks were reformed and broken up and someone actually learned from this issue then where would we go from there but in reality that's not what happened um people have reported that reform is not the way in any way possible and that sometimes you just have to completely revolutionize and change an industry but i think of all the events i've attended and my god my email can testify to how many events i've attended um in my life whether they be entertainment whether it's your theater and cinema or whether it's your forum and seminar and everyone wants to revolutionize things but to have the know-how to have the clout is is one thing to have the finance and the capital is another thing you know and um it's funny because i do always wonder like uh do I want to think big? Do I want to go big? And I think there's a reason why I haven't, besides the whole fear thing, I just, and, you know, not necessarily feeling good enough, but I'm not even bothered by that anymore because I feel like I could become like those people. I just choose not to because I don't aspire for that life. I want to stay local. I want to stay grounded. I want to stay humble. I want to make my living and and make my life worthwhile but I know I won't find that at the top and I feel like I won't find that at the top because I feel like people at the top have reported in many different ways whether through art or entertainment that they were not fulfilled by that life I just think to myself why would I why would I even bother um because those aren't the things that make me happy. The things that make me happy are the things that money can't buy. And that's usually the community and the love and the care, right? Um, because loneliness is a real disease. But in going back to the technicalities of what I've said, I realise the world is propped up to support high net worth individuals and parent companies and shareholders and investors and... Uh, it doesn't get me down. It just it just makes me protect myself more. You know, it's like that's the that's the that's the crux of capitalism. It's not going to change unless the whole thing is revolutionized, and people will argue 
to the to the <laughs> ah just think of all the conflict that people have tried to draw me into discussing things with me about this kind of stuff and I'm just like I just can't be asked to have those conversations you know I want equity I want everyone to get what they deserve relative to their position and do what we can with it and share more and just not be these bloody wealth holders but if I start talking about that they'll say I'm a communist um I just want more it's like more equity not even equality it's more equity but the fact is, is that we need to get to grips with the reality of the world that we're living in you know there's so much dysfunction um whenever I'll come to Netflix and I'll surf through some kind of movie I'll find that every piece of coverage in these films is related to like something that actually happened life imitates art that's truly the best quote I've ever read in my life because life truly does imitate art like you think that what's happening as James Baldwin said is like the worst thing in the world and then you read you just say Christ everyone's going to do something you know my hope and I'm going to share this vocally because I don't know what's going to listen to this my hope is to write like a diaristic novel just about like a black woman in this life trying to survive you know and um I know it's coming to me and it's not going to be easy. I was actually thinking earlier today, like, isn't it kind of like, is it, what's the story? What did, um, what's his name call it? Um, I think it was, was it not Tyler Perry? No, it wasn't Tyler Perry. I just had this thought in my mind earlier today. And it was my mad fat diary, but for some reason it was my mad fat black diary. I think I'm thinking of Tyler Perry's. Um, let me Google this. Isn't it like something of a mad black woman? Something like that. Okay, diary of a mad black woman. That's it. That's what I had in mind, and um, without the whole satirical element because me I'm a very serious boob so I want to write stuff that's serious but um my mad black my mad black the diary of a mad black woman by Tyler Perry and another series called my mad fat diary which was on channel four and um, I don't know why they're both mad and fat don't know why these connotations are related but just this idea that a focus on someone who is journaling and writing as they are not for the sake of consumption, which I know a lot of people have dealt with. Um, writers in their deaths have had their diaries published, um, I guess, given to their estate. I don't know if they intend that, but I just like the idea of people expressing themselves as they are and then that being presented. So it's truth on a page and it's not a documentary and it's not a fiction novel. It's just an account of someone's life. It's not a reality TV show. It's just an account of someone's life. And that, to me, is extremely intriguing. And um, that's the plan I have. I don't know how long it'll take. I'm also hoping to work in some kind of services that are um, 
professional to an extent, like data privacy analyst sounds like something that could really suit me, but also I'm open to the fact I could still go into the legal services, but for a law firm that champions charity or um, working people, so I would prefer like a Lee Day or Bates Wells than any other type of uh, firm, but that's just me. Um, so yeah, I'm. I just realized that everything's connected. Like I'll be in the car and then driving down the road, and I'll see like a building site to my left, and one of the posters will say Taylor Wimpy. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that organization. Like I, I used to um, see it on my LinkedIn. It's like everything is connected. And once you identify that, like the housing, the education, um, the uh, consumer retail, uh, aerospace, like unless you're living a very simple life, you're going to touch one of these uh, organisations at some point in your life. You're going to realise that it's affecting you in some way, you know, flight prices or the food that you eat or... The things you buy, like from now on, the way I see values completely, completely change. Like price and recommended retail price to me is just abominable. I'm not buying anything unless it's on sale. Honest to God, it just freaks me out how something can be X amount and then on sale it's X over three. You're just like, what? Like, but you, but you, but you just six months ago it was a different price. It it bugs me bugs me, it just tells you that everything we're buying just isn't worth the value that it's pretending to be, but value is relative, value, value is nominal, it's just, it feels like it's made up sometimes, um, so yeah, I won't dwell on that, but I, I have an observation, I guess, um, so I've got a lot of work to do from tomorrow, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to get there. And, um, yeah, um, I like what I know now. I feel like years ago, it could have been really bad. I could have got really trapped and not understood a bunch of things. But then again, that might not necessarily have been a bad thing. Because I, um, I sometimes feel like you need a taste or something to know whether you like it or not. You know, I have luckily done internships. I have done a lot of reading. But I think I just need to do a lot of writing now, expressing in my journal that I brought from my flat to really theorise what I want to do, what I'm willing to do and how I'm going to get there. And, um, yeah, being able to explain yourself is important. But um, in, a world without, in a world without actual upheaval or revolution... There's no amount of reform that's going to help this. There's no one can convince me that. And I think that's going to take me doing a lot of soul searching and divesting and intentional living that I know I can do, but I do wonder whether someone else I could share life with would be willing to do, you know? And, um, yeah, that's a whole another story but I'm, I'm i'm tapping out of that life you know 
um, I saw a lovely poem by Lucille Clifton, I think is really, really good, about um, the new year. So, such a coincidence, because actually, um, I just typed her hashtag, her name in a hashtag on Instagram, and um, I was expecting to find, like, new poems, but this poem was literally posted by somebody in February 2020, so I feel like I was meant to see it. And Lucille Clifton is an incredible poet. She wrote the one and only, won't you celebrate with me, that everything that has tried to kill me has 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 failed. Like, I love that poem. I think that poem is incredible. Um, she really knows how to talk about human beings and people as we are, particularly black women, without being inaccessible, which is a problem I have in illustrating my feelings. And um, Won't You Celebrate With Me is a poem I came across probably around the same time as I came across Audre Lorde. And um, it talks about not being white and not being male, but still surviving and living every day as a black woman. And it might not seem necessary. It might seem... um, it might seem too political for some, but for me, it's adequately reflective of my life and how I live and what I want to portray for the rest of my life. So to see her write a poem about the new year, when it's almost the 30th of December 2021, I'm ecstatic when someone writes about something that I can relate to um, temporarily as opposed to just demographically. So I think I'll recite it for the listener here i hope there's no um copyright all rights reserved and all them all them things over there so the poem is called i am running into a new year it's by lucille clifton and it can be found in good woman poems and the memoir 1969 to 1980 by lucille clifton i am running into a new year I am running into a new year and the old years blow back like a wind that I catch in my hair, like strong fingers, like all my old promises and it'll be hard to let go of what I said to myself about myself when I was 16 and 26 and 36, even 36, but I am running into a new year and I beg what I love and I leave to forgive me. And just when I ponder that and I really think of that poem, it's talking about firstly speed because like time runs really fast and I find it interesting that she wrote this so many years ago but right now it feels like time is on 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 a different level of crack um and we are chasing something um and the old years blow back like a wind that I catch in my hair like strong fingers like all my old promises all the things that hold you back, it will be hard to let go, you know, she admits that there's a reluctance here, it's not easy, of what I said to myself about myself, when I was 16 and 26 and 36, all the harsh things we say to ourselves, all the expectations we have of ourselves, all the dreams and fears and thoughts we have of ourselves, that we report about ourselves, that we tell others what we think about ourselves, she knows it's hard to let go, even 36 but she's still running into a new year and that's important to know to know that time goes on and all the pain and hurt 
you know, even P. Diddy said it in his song about um about the one and only um it's just gone from my head. Um Notorious BIG about every day I live is the day I get closer to being with you. It's like when you see death as an inevitability, you start living with more intention and you know that even the people that you've lost now you will see again someday. You know? Whether it's that See You Again song with Viz Khalif and Charlie Puth or One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, you will see all these individuals once more at some point in time, you know? And that's a comfort, even if it does take long. It's an inevitability, surely. So when you're running into a new year, don't be frightened by it or scared. And... um. The last three lines is, I am running into a new year and I beg what I love and I leave to forgive me. And I think that's a beautiful thing to say, you know, I've made mistakes and I want those that have experienced my mistakes to have grace and be merciful to me. But I also want what I love. to forgive me because that's a part of what love is right it's not holding it's not it's not counting the wrongs you know the biblical version of love i like that um even john three sixteen, chapter 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world he gave his only son you know, that that selflessness you know love does not boast love is kind love is generous like I hope that I get to a point where that's the kind of love I'm experiencing and I'm expressing because it's not a way to live holding hatred, harboring pain in your heart, you know? I don't... Anytime I'm out, because these past few days have just been a blur because after... After Christmas, you just just surviving on you. It's just nice to know that there's so much more to do, so much more to succeed in, and express expression. I think is key. It's never about whether who's the best writer, who's the best singer, who's the best dancer. In my opinion, although those are great ways to define and qualify a person, I think just being able to express and have that story be true, or or, or for that moment. This suspend enough disbelief for it to be true, is 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 a job well done. It's a, it's a story told, you know, at the very least. Because what is it to be a writer when you can be a storyteller? And a storyteller is such a a more unique role, you know. I saw a lot of tweets about Issa Rae, and they were gassing her up for being um, a multi hyphenate, you know, not just a writer but a director, a producer. And now working in the music industry, she works in film. She's done so much. She's not just trying to limit herself to one um, industry. And I fundamentally agree with that. And I think when we start removing these labels from ourselves and just be and express and expand into so many different versions, not versions, because I was going to say versions of ourselves, because it's not really versions of ourselves, though, is it? 
it's just expanding into other industries because it is all ourselves, just different parts. And that's what happens when you try so hard to limit um, yourself or define yourself. Like, didn't Audrey Lord talk about it? Like, if... Let me find it. So... If I didn't define myself for myself, I would be conscious into other people's fantasies for me and eating alive. And is boy, is that true? Boy, is that true? Like, other people will define you. But I don't even define me. I just do me. The, the more I do, the less I have to reflect on, you know, or when I do get these moments of reflection, like now during this podcast, when I'm writing in my journal, that's for me to determine, but I'm never going to write in my biography what job I do or what, what I am or, or what kind of character or personality I have. It doesn't matter. The people are going to take me for me regardless of what I say about myself, you know? And whether that's their fantasy, whether that's their truth, it's their experience, you know? I don't know if I can even decline it. just have to make sure that from now on, what I am, who I am, is a vessel for truth as a vessel for a truth. I was going to say kindness, but sometimes the truth isn't kind. I just want to be a vessel for truth, right? And I hope I can forgive myself and forgive others for transgressions and um, move forward um, without forewarning. Oh, yeah. Um, and really try to understand what I like, why I like it, what, what's what's the root of my behaviors unpack these things but take it forward you know when you're learning these things it should never just be a case of knowing it like self-awareness isn't the end that there should be some development this is some there should be some learning um and it's been it's very strange times that we've survived through lived through i don't know how else to conduct myself but to try hard to learn as much as possible even the complex stuff that I hate and the generous stuff that I love combine all of these loves and interests and try to be as big as I am in terms of what I can do but not necessarily in bragging about myself because it's not about me you know the way I see it, if I do good work, the work will out, outdo me and, and outlive me. And that's the goal, really. Because I just can't be the person that's out here talking a storm about themselves. There's nothing really to show for it. I do have stuff to show for it, but I need more. I need like 10,000 things more to show for it. Just so I can say, you know, I have done a lot more than I thought I would. And, um... I'm keen. I think if this is my 52nd episode and I started in March, then this is essentially an episode a week, which is, of course, incorrect because I definitely haven't done an episode a week because, like I said, I started in March. But just to know that I have an assessment of what's been going on in my mind for the past year, almost year, is incredible. It's, 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 it's calming. It's nice to it's reflective. It's nice to know. And um, it's always nice to just understand yourself or at least be able to articulate yourself because that's my biggest frustration, not knowing how I feel. 
about things. So, yeah. Um, interesting. I'm learning what people want from me. I'm learning that we should try and do as much as we can for ourselves, for one another. And that would make things equal. Now, naturally, what's happening is that people are doing a lot for themselves and nothing for one another. So it's a zero-sum game, you know. It's a race to the bottom. So I can't even pretend like that is something that is some easy, basic rule that everyone should do because it's just not true. Someone has to get shafted in this capitalistic mindset. But I think if we do think more holistically and communally, then we can all benefit from one another without this whole someone has to, you know, short this this fund, uh, this security, as, as the capitalists express it as. And someone has to get the wrong end of the stick. We can all get the right end of the stick, idealistically. If you tell someone that, they look at you like you're crazy. So that's the root of capitalism, though. Understanding how and who gets the short end of the stick and how to avoid that, you know? I don't know what legacy I'm leaving behind. I'm even leaving the legacy. I don't even know. With the way the planet's going, it doesn't really bother me too much. <laughs> but I do want to continue loving and living my life. Hey. And um, not be drawn into fear-mongering. But also be aware of the state of the world. Not just to make good art, though. Because what's a good art piece if none of that money gets reinvested into the things that matter? You know, Leonardo DiCaprio can make a hundred films, but if those films don't develop enough cash to convince these lot who are investing to stop uh, investing in to um, industries that affect the planet, then then, then what? It's useless. Well, who does a, who do these billionaires even listen to? Does they listen to anybody? You know, are they gonna have a moral change of heart? They should invest in healthcare. That's what they should invest in. They should invest in making sure that climate change doesn't kill us all. Or rather, they'll just invest in the thing that makes the most short-term money. I feel like God has a plan for me, but I have to trust Him. To dedicate, I have to surrender my life to God and give myself permission to think bigger and better and learn more and love more and not be so afraid of my body and my thoughts and my feelings because where the truth is that's where that that's where the life is you know the acceptance that's how you ascend and If you act like you don't have a choice but to say it, then I think you get better. But yeah, it's just me. Don't want to drag this episode on any longer than it needs to be. So I will thank you for listening. I've been recording this at 3 a.m. in the morning, by the way, the 29th of December 2021. And um, I plan to hopefully do more videos of just me talking about things. I'm going to have hours and hours of footage at one point. 
I'm gonna be able to sift through it one day hopefully in the future when my kids ask me what were you doing how did you feel I'd be like yeah I have like so many videos here so many recordings of myself that you can indulge in when you're ready if I do bother to have kids maybe my niece will do it nephew someone you know so yeah thank you for listening to this episode and um I appreciate all the love I've gotten this year I have from what I've seen quite a few hundred listens and I have about 50 episodes so you know even if it's that's just three people listening to every episode it's good enough for me you know just because these thoughts otherwise would just be restrained to my head the the recording that has the most listens is in fact the one and only Lynette Yadon Boache review so I'm happy about that and I'm going to a few more theatres and art gallery exhibitions in January so hopefully if I do some recordings on those maybe that will draw some people in um as for the technical topics uh, they will probably increase next year just because I am going to be working more in depth in certain industries so I'll probably have more to report on in that respect um it's just funny because I've worked in the non-profit space right in, in a bunch of different um ways so at, as executive search as volunteer as paid roles and it's like it all finally still goes back to that whole capitalistic element of the third sector being propped up by high net worth individuals who have a philanthropic um, philanthropic urge to help boost the economy um, for those who don't have the money to, to get certain services, which is admirable. But you do, when you realise that the things that are causing these issues are related to capitalism, which their industries, their main primary industries tend to uphold, well, then you start to rethink it. You're just like, okay, so everyone's just trying to assuage their own guilt and stuff, practically dismantling the structures that uphold these inequalities and inequities. What can you do? You just end up going round and round in circles. I think caring about education, healthcare, there's so much to care about. And everyone's just doing their bit, but the, the wheels will always move. As Lucille Clifton said, I am running into a new year. Aren't we all? Aren't we all just running into a new year, Lucille Clifton? So yeah, if I don't get to record an episode today or tomorrow, Someone report and say Happy New Year to anyone listening. Hopefully 2022 is a year to remember in all the good ways. I pray that we will have peace, health, joy, and the help that we need to succeed and thrive. Love one another. Learn one another. Live. Be free, truly, in mind, body, and soul. Be kind. Be creative. Be collective be so much better than what we are already and 
just because we are human and worthy of that. So yeah, that's my episode complete. I think I'm done now. I'm watching Limitless, which features Bradley Cooper. Um, it's about human capability going beyond and um and I'm intrigued as to human capacity so it should be an interesting watch so yeah I don't think I'll do a review on it though it's probably right in my journal I think today and tomorrow is just committed to goal setting and reflecting and how to and 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 personal developing and career developing and all that jazz so yeah adulting in a nutshell so I will most definitely have a review in 2022 or something. But um, in the meantime, thank you for listening for 2021. And um, take care of yourself and each other.